1: Hello again, friends, welcome on into episode two twenty two of the Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, December first, twenty twenty one. You can bust out holiday music, I guess. The holiday season is upon us, and of course, happy Hanukkah to those who are observant. Quick note. Obviously, there was no show earlier in the week. Been dealing with some real-life things. Daughter has been homesick, basically, all week. Um, It's not COVID, but, you know, she's been struggling with a little something, so I've been tied up with doing some dad stuff, Um, but got a couple of minutes here to sort of sneak away, record an episode. A little bit later, we're going to talk with Nate Geary from WGR up in Buffalo about so Monday night's huge game between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, a lot to talk about there. I'm going to talk about that game here at the outset. Also going to talk a little sauce. Yeah, we're going to talk a little sauce in a minute. But before we do all that, your usual cavalcade of announcements. Please do follow along with the hijinks on the stakeham app at Mark Schofield. Follow along with the work, USA Today's touchdown wire, Matt Waldeman's RSP Quick Game Podcast, Big Blue View, Bloody Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit where you get Mac Attack. That went up earlier this week. uh, Blogging the boys. Also, the YouTube channel. Um, I keep it simple. YouTube. Backslash sleep. Backslash Mark Schofield. And also, astute followers on the Bird App might have seen a little teaser. Yeah. TikTok and Twitch are in the off-season plans. So, get excited, I guess. we doing a lot of draft stuff over there, I'd imagine. But let's talk now, Monday night. New England Patriots have an opportunity to pretty much, I don't want to say win the AFC East, but really sort of put their stamp on the division. And I think the way to sort of start with this is where I think this game is going to be won. And I really think, and I'm sure that many people will agree, this game is going to be won up front. This game is going to be won in the trenches. And there are a lot of reasons... For that. But I do think that when you watch the Buffalo Bills this year, when you watch the Buffalo Bills on offense, for example, and I talked a lot about this a couple of shows ago, they're struggling to protect Josh Allen. And specifically, they're struggling to protect Josh Allen with four pass rushers coming after the QB. Last year, Josh Allen was blitzed 280 times, which was. Most in the league, and that included the postseason, so there's a sample size there to be sure. This year, though, it's more middle of the pack. As a matter of fact, according to Pro Football Reference, Allen has been blitzed 90 times this year, which is 16th in the league, but he's been hurried 55 times, which is Tied for second in the league with Jalen Hurts. Only Kirk Cousins has been hurried more. He has been pressured 113 times this year. Again, only Kirk Cousins has been pressured more. And he's been pressured 24.9% of his dropbacks, 11th. And again, he's only been blitzed the 16th most Out of all NFL quarterbacks in the league, teams are getting pressure with four on Josh Allen. Which I think bodes well for where New England is as a defense, right? New England is heavy. Heavy. Zone coverage, getting pressure with four right now. It's something we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. And that continued on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. But I think the other thing to keep in mind is when the Patriots have the ball. Because as I'm sure you are well aware of by now, you can run on this Buffalo Bills team. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes with Nate Gary, but look at that Colts game. Inside zone, outside zone, duo. They were running at will on that team. And the kind of concept that everybody got excited about was that crunch concept. And I'm sure you have seen it by now. The 40-yard run in the third quarter is an example of it. There's a touchdown run as well. That's an example of it. But you get that crunch concept. And what it really is, is you get guard pulling and trapping, tight end in the wing with a wham block. And if you want an example of it, 1st and 10, ball at midfield, 3rd quarter, 624 mark. You will see the right guard, Glowinski, execute that trap. And you will see Jack Doyle come down from the wing, execute the wham on the nose. If you want to see another example of it going for a touchdown, look at 2nd and goal from the three, first quarter, 859 mark. Balls on the left hash. Quinton Nelson, his first step is to the left, shows the jab step with the left, but then he executes the quick trap. And this time he gets the defensive tackle, and then Jack Doyle on the wing gets the other interior defensive tackle on that wham block. Jonathan Taylor, three-yard touchdown run. That was the sort of play design that everybody was really excited about. Well, kids, allow me for a moment to dust off my trusty copy of the New England Patriots playbook, flip a couple of pages here as we get to ride 33 gut wham. And it's kind of their variation of it. Why will wham the first defensive lineman from onside A-gap to the backside? And you get the guard also with a trap block. They have another version of it. Ride 32 gut wham. Ride ball handling, usually a run pass check. Run versus a six-man box. You get guard kicking out to the end. Tight end with the wham block on the interior defensive tackle. There are going to be a lot of run plays Monday night. I would imagine going into this game, the Patriots want to run the football. And I know that sounds... A little antiquated in today's NFL, but I would refer you to a great piece from Seth Galina, my good buddy, over at Pro Football Focus, talking about how Belichick and the Patriots are sort of turning back the clock right now. They're going to want to run the ball. You can run the ball on this team. And that's their offensive identity in many ways, is to run the football. I think you're also going to see it used to, let's face it, it's going to be a raucous environment Monday night. You put together some long 10-play drives to where them down on the field and silence them off the field, make the environment a little bit more friendly for Mac Jones. I think you're going to want to do that. Now, look, Mac Jones has played in some raucous environments in the past, right? I mean, you're talking about somebody that his last year in college played at Tennessee, at LSU. Like Those are some tough games. Those are some tough environments. And so I'm sure Mac Jones will be ready for it, but I would expect this run game, I would expect Ride 32-33 Gut Wham to be a big part of it. I think that's where they're going going to want to be now. Of course, we'll talk to Nate Geary in a minute. I did want to, as I said, we're going to talk a little sauce. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I talked about him a little bit in the Scotia Slack channel. I did my first mock draft. I did my first mock draft of the 2022 draft cycle, which sounds crazy to think about but a picklet perhaps caught some eyes amard sauce grounder Gardner excuse me in the top 10 to the jets the reason i look at the jets right now and as again mock drafts written and this was pre-december mean nothing cuz the draft order will change wildly as i found out cuz i had that then written and then Washington wins, which slides them into the playoffs, so you got to like flip it all around on Monday night, try to get it out the door for Tuesday morning. That was super fun. So a mock draft right now might mean nothing this time next week. But right now you've got the Jets, the Giants, and the Eagles, all with back-to-back picks in the top 10, which would be wild to think about. But for the Jets, with those picks, I went Aiden Hutchinson and Sauce Gardner. That gives you... The two pass rushers off the edges that Robert Sala had at San Francisco, and it gives you in Gardner a Richard Sherman-like player, and I do think he's a Richard Sherman-type player. Now, I'm not making a comparison, but he's long, he's fluid, he moves extremely well, and if you want to know more about him, I'd invite you to the YouTube channel that I just mentioned. I did like a 10-minute breakdown of him, 10 man coverage situations, You'll talk a lot. you I talk a lot about his length and how he puts it to use, how he uses it all the time, how he covers crossers, how he moves, how he adjusts to scramble drill adjustments by receivers. So I'm a huge fan of his game. As for the Patriots pick, Jameson Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama. Does Bill Belichick pick a receiver in the first round? Eh, maybe not. Initially, I had them go in corner, but then the draft order got kind of shifted around and I rethought some things and I thought, you know, the. Let's go with the receiver. um. But I had them going with our carrier, Alam, the Florida corner in the first round because obviously J.C. Jackson's status and all that stuff, they want to add a, a corner, I'd bet. Anyway, but again, you can check that out over at touchdownwire.usatoday.com. That's enough for me. I'm next to my friend Nate Gary from WGR up in Buffalo. We're going to talk Pat's bills, a ton of it. We're also going to get his thoughts. He's a Notre Dame guy on Brian Kelly leaving for the Bayou. That's ahead here in episode 222. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to com. It's magical. And welcome back to episode 222 of the SCO show, probably a part of the Pat's Pulpit podcast network brought to you by the great folks at SB nation. And speaking of great folks, there is no finer person in the football world than my good friend, Nate Gary. You can catch him on WGR five fifty up in Buffalo. You can catch him with Bruce, Bruce exclusive on a lovely show, Food for Thought, that airs on Friday nights. They were kind enough to have me on a couple of weeks ago, so I'm returning the favor here. And once upon a time, this man and I actually hosted a podcast together. That's that right. Was a, a fantastic run, getting Bills fans ready for the Josh Allen era, of all things. He is Nate Gary. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nate Gary Sports. Nate, buddy, what's going on, man?
0: Not much, man. Uh, just getting up for Patriots Week. Uh, I'm just kidding. I've been up for Patriots Week for like three weeks now. Um, this game has taken on sort of new meaning. I think if you looked back at the beginning of the season, both Patriots and Bills fans looked at this week, probably in very different ways. The, the sort of scope and narrative and importance of this game has grown and, and manifested itself. Um, and here we are, uh, mere days away from a national broadcast, um, that should feature, uh, uh, two AFC, I think contenders. Um, in a game in an afc matchup afc east matchup and i genuinely mark thinking back on this i'm not sure i can recall a time where both teams um had this maybe high or more of an opportunity um at stake in a regular season game but the outlook of both of these team seasons aren't necessarily made or broken uh by this game on monday night but they are certainly going to go in different directions than where they are today based on uh the outcome of that game and it and and in an AFC AFC East race, and in just generally speaking, a uh, a mindset of where this AFC is is been this year and where it's going. I don't know if you could write a better script uh, for Monday night. So I'm really uh, short of the Lake Effect snow that looks like is uh, is potentially oh uh, in in the forecast for my great friends over here at uh, at one of our local weather weather uh, our local news stations. So I'm going to be monitoring that because uh, talk about a a, a third party. Uh, anecdotal sort of factor in a game where you've got two high-powered offenses um, and two really good defenses, I would love some like effect snow to be in the storyline. That's for
1: sure. Nate, you're going to make me fire up um, AmericanWX.com, that like (laughs) American weather message board that I sometimes frequent during football season. And I know, look, you just teed up Bills' pats a ton, and we're going to get to that. But I can't ignore behind you. The Notre Dame fighting Irish banner. So I have to ask, Nate, Uh, where are you on the whirlwind that has been the past 48, 72 hours of Notre Dame football? The departure of Mr. Kelly to, of all places, Death Valley.
0: Yeah, I um... (laughs) somebody posted the video of that poor news reporter who was doing a, a little shot from the Bayou. Yeah. And right as he was recording a fly, when and in, went into his mind, I was like, what the
1: fuck? Oh, yeah. This place
0: it sucks. Like, yeah. man, Brian Kelly's got no idea what he's entered himself into. Listen, like Notre Dame and Brian Kelly, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you've been sort of wanting to push out Kelly for years. Um, this has been a program that has been double-digit victories year in and year out, and if you're a non-Notre Dame fan listening to Notre Dame fans complain about Brian Kelly, your usual response is, shut up, he's a double-digit win a guy a year, that program's never going to win a national ch- uh, title based on the academic standards, you got the best of what you're going to get, shut up and take it, and I think for a long time that's sort of where Notre Dame fans stood. That wasn't until you know, Monday when this news sort of broke that um, you know Kelly was leaving and how he did it, and all it takes is one Notre Dame fan to just rewind 12 years ago when he did the exact same thing, left Cincinnati high and dry on an undefeated season going into a Sugar Bowl. Um, I, I've I've got to say, it feels weird because it's Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame isn't necessarily used to this. I, I gotta think that this might end up being a blessing in disguise for the Irish because I think what this is going to force Jack Swarbrick to do is retain and pay Marcus Freeman, who I believe is one of the best up-and-coming defensive play callers in all of college football. He is, if not the best recruiter in college football right now, he is right up there. He's got Notre Dame with the fourth best recruiting class for the 2022 recruiting class. And anytime Notre Dame can find themselves in the top five, I think whoever is ahead of that, there's a reason why Brian Kelly wants to make him the highest paid defensive coordinator in football to follow him down in LSU. The thing is, I I think Marcus Freeman's time as a coordinator is up in college football. If he doesn't get Notre Dame's job, he's going to get, you know, one of these other power five conference openings. Um, I think Notre Dame would be smart and would be swift to take advantage of the guy you've got in house. I know the Luke fickle talk is, is out there a good Catholic man who has done nothing but great things. And frankly, I thought Ohio state made a mistake, letting him go in the first place. Um, I like fickle a lot. I think he's bound for a big program. I also think Matt Campbell makes a whole ton of sense. Um, Having said all that, you talk about recruiting, Mark, As in in college football today, it's more important. Your head coach, he's symbolic. He's a recruiter. Your coordinators are the ones that are formulating game plans, calling the plays, doing all that stuff. You need a symbolic figure. And right now in college football, there's not a hotter name. It says a lot to me, Mark, that almost every damn near recruit that has signed on has stayed on a few have, have pulled back their commitments doesn't mean they've pulled back their commitment entirely. I think a right. lot of them are waiting to see who Notre Dame goes with. I think hearing the, the commits come out and say it's got to be Freeman, it's got to be Freeman, hearing the fan base sort of rallying behind Marcus Freeman, I think this is going to be a swift move for Notre Dame. I think Freeman gets named head coach here in the coming days. But I think it'll end up being a blessing in disguise. But there's no doubt that Brian Kelly uh, confirmed everything that a lot of people said about him before he got to Notre Dame. What what they said about him in his first few seasons, he's kind of a dirt bag. And I think he's going to get what he deserves. He's going to be recruiting in Nick Saban's backyard. Yeah. He is in a conference that has added both Oklahoma and Texas. It's only going to get more difficult as this. Uh, and those are two recruiting programs that may not have the best, particularly Texas. They are going to come in there and command some good recruits from their back. I, listen, they just fired their head coach three years after a national championship. The, the pressure's on Brian Kelly could have retired. Twenty years from now, at Notre Dame, and and would have been considered a hero in South Bend. Instead, he leaves the uh, the goat, and uh, we'll we'll kind of see how it works out from an LSU. If I were a betting man, I bet he's looking for gainful employment in the next four to five seasons.
1: I think you're probably right about that, and I, I think look, anytime you can get a top five class in terms of getting kids to South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> you're worth your weight in gold right there. Yeah, so,
0: absolutely. I, I think you're right on,
1: Freeman. Now, let's talk about the main reason you're here. Obviously, Bills' Pats Monday night. Let's start here. Nate, what does this Bills' offense do well? What do they hang their hat on right now?
0: Man, um, it's a really, it's kind of a loaded question, Mark. Listen, oh, there not, we go. They're not the unit offensively they were last year in terms of efficiency. There's no doubt that the league this year when they've gone to this too high safety look, yeah. it's really bottlenecked. A lot of these high powered passing off. It's the bills, namely one of them, Kansas city, the other, I think the bills have found ways to, to jab back. Um, unlike Kansas city, who I don't believe has quite found their counterpunch, unless unless the, the team name is the Las, Las Vegas Raiders, which, right. you know, before last week was a team that was heading in a really, um, you know, in a tough direction there, but all in all, this Bills team is finding its identity on the offensive side of the ball. Listen, they the same issues that existed for this offense that I think sealing them out in the AFC championship game persist because they simply did not make enough moves, I think, Mark, at the offensive line position. Spencer Brown, a third-round pick, who was playing eight-man football four years ago, has essentially become the savior of this offensive line. Now, it's not just Spencer Brown's addition that is the savior for this offensive line. His addition is a two-part move. Him getting to right tackle bumps down Daryl Williams to right guard and it ends yeah. up actually improving two positions on the offensive line. So it's a twofer. Um, him being in and out of the lineup the past two weeks being on the COVID list and a and a back injury he sustained during the bye week has really hampered and limited their offense. And, and now you get John Feliciano back. So the Bills should have their entire starting core top five offensive line on Monday night, which I think will be huge for them. They've also finally, finally, uh, Mark pivoted, to utilizing Matt Breida in this offense, and he has opened things up. Now, I know his yards per carry average against the Saints last week on Thursday night on Thanksgiving wasn't anything to write home about. 2.9 yards per carry ends up taking a screen pass to the crib. He has opened things up for Brian Dable as a play caller. The limitations is Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, both fine complementary backs. Together, they are way too similar um, in terms of just their lack of top-end speed to really threaten uh, defenses. And until the Bills are able to start to scare defenses back into some more one-high-safety looks, they're going to continue to beat their head against the wall here trying to beat teams over the top. And that's why Josh's interception numbers are up. That's why Mahomes' interceptions numbers are up. They are finding it – listen, when you're the best quarterbacks in the country and in in the world at at your craft, think about how frustrating it must be to not do the one thing you know you can do better than everybody else, which is throw the ball down the field. And it's not to say Josh has become all of a sudden not accurate. He's still one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league in air yards per pass. He's one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league in accuracy on those balls 20 or more yards down the field. But the frequency in which those are becoming available to them have become uh, less and less. So I think this Matt Breida addition, the speed element has sort of – sort of made teams defend this offense differently. And let's not play coy, Mark. This was the stretch run the last four or five weeks of the year that this Bills offense won on that run, two touchdowns to yeah. Stephon Diggs, a, a, a blowout performance against the, uh, the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football last year. This was really where they hit their stride. I, that's why I believe this game has so much importance, Mark, because I think if the Bills can find their stride, Josh Allen through 11, 12 games is almost the exact same statistical player we saw from 2020. And I know that doesn't fit into a lot of the regression narratives we're hearing, but it was this final stretch of game that Allen in this offense scored 50 against, you know, Denver scored 40, something, uh, 40 against Denver, 50 against Miami. This is where they really took off. So it'll be interesting to see how this offense looks, but their identity, Mark, I think in a more simple way of putting it, still a work in progress.
1: And I'm just going to go right there, Nate, the regression question, because that was the theme going into the year. That was a hot topic going into the year. And I think you're exactly right. The numbers are basically the same. But do you think it's – like, what do you think is causing them more problems? Is it the too high stuff or the fact that other teams are getting pressure with four that's hurting this passing oh, game more?
0: It's it, – Mark, it's a mix between two. And and listen, you're talking – you, talk, you, you watched Brady for how long? You you have watched – you and I have watched countless hours of Patrick Mahomes these are players that at their very best are nearly unstoppable i would say tom brady's one and maybe only kryptonite is interior pressure yep. is if you can get that pressure with four on the interior and force him off his spot off that dot you can really affect things in brady's game as a passer he becomes way less effective when he's throwing on the run or he has to move out of structure now mahomes and allen i think sometimes are at their best out of structure the problem is, is when they want to stay in phase, the yep. Bills almost have not been able to because the offensive line has been playing so poorly. And to your point about getting there in four, that is what the Jacksonville Jaguars did to the Bills. They yep. pounded the Bills on the interior with four, with guys that, frankly, they should have been able to get up and block in one-on-one battles. But when you got Cody Ford in the lineup, when you got some of these depth offensive interior offensive linemen, they're really struggling. And that means, Mark, Mitch Morse, they're, I believe, their Pro Bowl center, who has played out of his mind this year, trying to cover up on both sides of him. When they have to ask him to cover for both the right guard and left guard, things get dicey. You can really complicate his job by a lot of those stunts um, in the middle of – and when you're asking him to cover and be the guy that can, that can help out Cody Ford on the right or, or Ike Butker on the left, he becomes – I don't care who you are at the center position. It becomes – your job becomes that much harder when you're asking your 111th And then also half the job of the guy on the right of you and half the job on the left of you and then those stunts. And then you're talking about communication and and execution. So I think it's a lot of that Mark, but I also think it's this too high safety look and the bills really haven't been able to run teams out of it. And I think they're starting to find their way running the football. I'm telling you, Mark Spencer Brown is going to be a top 10 uh, offensive tackle in this league. He's a name. People are going to have to start taking notice of over the next couple of weeks and into next year. He has changed, and our buddy Joe Marino yeah. has done some, some, some essentially some, some slides of you know what, have, what are the, the raw numbers of this offense with him in and out of the lineup. And with him in the lineup, this is a team that's scoring 10 points more per game, averaging almost 100 more yards of total offense, with a third-round pick from Northern Iowa starting at right tackle. It just goes to show you how impressive and, and, and how integral to this team's offensive success he's been.
1: Yeah. Speaking of run game, we know where the Patriots want to be offensively. We know they want to run the football. That leads me to this, the Colts game from a couple of weeks ago. Is that sort of the blueprint? Is is that what you expect New England to come out and do Monday night, which is we're going to run the ball down their throats because Indianapolis gave us the, the path to do it?
0: I think there isn't a more complex run blocking scheme in the NFL. Than the, than the Indianapolis Colts I'm not sure there are a team that has listen if there's a team with the talent up front to pull off that scheme it is the Patriots I mean they are right now as about as good as it gets on the offensive line which I think you're seeing is a big reason that Mac Jones is having so much success it's right because he's got that protection he's got that time Um, having said that I think it would be really hard for anybody to replicate what Indianapolis did you're also going to have two guys that are integral parts of this Buffalo defense in the lineup and star low to Lele um, in the middle as that one technique. He is their only true size um, on that defense. He His presence allows a guy like Ed Oliver to, to play the penetrating style game that he likes to play. Listen, I thought the Colts used Ed Oliver's aggressiveness and his penetrating style against him. And as, as, as much as that's his biggest strength, in that particular scheme, it was his biggest because they were on a ton of wham blocks, yep. a ton of uh, a ton of uh, traps behind and underneath him getting upfield. And with Lotuleli back in the lineup, teams have a tougher time saying, OK, well, we're going to single man backside block your one tech and we are going to keep that, that three tech completely unblocked. That means we've got one or two guys getting to the second level and getting to your linebackers, opening up gigantic creases, five, six, seven yards of carry. I, I think with the personnel, the Bills, oh, and Tremaine Edmonds will be back in the lineup for the Bills. As much as Bills fans will tell you and like to make him the donkey uh, and the butt end of a lot of jokes, this has been Tremaine Edmonds' best year as a pro. He is 23 years old in his fourth season. It's kind of a running joke against uh, amongst Bills fans because it's like, it's the, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard and, right. and, and, and Chris Hogan played college lacrosse um, of storylines. It's what everybody wants to talk about, but literally his game has elevated the players around him. Those two, Milano and Edmonds, are the two best linebacker coverage duo in the league. And I, you won't find a better duo than those two. There are probably better individual parts, but together they make for a nightmare for defense or for uh, for opposing passing offenses. Do I think that the Patriots will have success running the football? I do. Do I think they're going to run for 264? I, I would be shocked. Here's what's going to happen, Mark. No, Tre'Davious White is a significant blow to this Bills defense. Yeah. However, considering the weather and considering the Bills know that this offense wants to go through its, its running game, the Bills are going to squat on everything. They are going to force Mac Jones to beat them down the field. And that may mean committing seven, eight, nine guys to the box and leaving Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar um, out on an island against Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. And that may be your route to victory. The question is, can Mac Jones beat them deep in one-on-one coverage? That will be something I pay attention to early in the game because there is zero way Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are going to allow this, this Patriots running attack to look anything like the Colts. Because if that happens again... This is a defensive team, Mark. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. I know what their offense does. I know what their passing game is capable of doing. The two former head coaches on this football team, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, are way too proud and have and spend way too much time. Those guys were in there Thursday at, or Friday morning at 4 a.m. when that team landed from Thanksgiving, ready to watch film. I think the extra couple of days from Thursday to Monday night is going to give this Bills team a couple extra days it needs to, to get right. They're getting healthy. Mark, I'm saying it's just, there's just no way they let them run for two-plus on them um, in this game. They're going to try. How how successful they are early in the game, I think, will have a big blueprint on how the rest of the game goes.
1: Well, let me spin off of that and go here. You brought him up. You said that he might be the guy that needs to win it, and that's Mac Jones. You're a quarterback guy. You played the position. You yeah. know the position better than anybody. We talked about the position on our show together. What are your thoughts sort of from afar on Mac Jones? And do you think he could go out and win that kind of game, or it's just too early for him to do that?
0: I think that you have to sort of sit somewhere between, listen, I think Bill's fans are taking the conversations around Mac Jones and are probably pretty pissed off about it, right? Because I think the national media ESPN is probably pushing his performances too far to the left and i think bill's fans are trying to pull it too far to the right i think the nuance take is somewhere in the middle more so closer to where espn is and where i stand on mac jones is it is he is light years ahead of the next rookie quarterback um these are the throws he is making the decision making process the freedom in which he is now getting in this offense are all doctorate level things that I simply would not have guessed any rookie quarterback in this class would have been given this early. Mac Jones, for what he lacks in athleticism, I will say this, this is going to, I hope not a lot of Bills fans are listening to this podcast. <laughs> the one thing that is incredibly Brady-like of Mac Jones is he will beat you with your aggressive. He will take your aggressiveness and throw it right back in your face. He's not going to run past you. He's not going to make a move in the pocket and, and break a couple of tackles and p- make a playoff script and off structure. That's not Mac Jones. But what he will do is take a free rusher, recognize that he did not have it blocked properly, and he will yeah. dink one of these little high-fading balls that's out in under two seconds and put it in stride to one of his... He throws an incredibly catchable ball, Mark. And yeah. we know that in this league... Arm strength means a lot, but it doesn't have to mean everything. And the one area that you and I agree that Tua really struggles with yep. is throwing a catchable ball. Yep. That is now Mac Jones has a better arm than Tua, no doubt about it. But he's not, it's not Mahomes, it's not Allen. He wins with nuanced anticipation, a, a level of anticipation that I, I don't think I've ever seen from a rookie quarterback. So I think the area that he I that he draws fear with me in the most is go ahead, blitz him, pressure him because. He's not going to panic. He'll throw the football away, or he will give one of his receivers an opportunity to make a catch with a catchable ball, whether it's four or five yards down the field, he's got answers. uh, McDaniels is giving him answers post snap that I I, I just don't think you would Justin Fields be doing this in this offense would Trevor Lawrence. Maybe I don't think you could have handpicked a better quarterback for Josh McDaniels system and for how this team wants to operate than Mac Jones and shame on the rest of the league for, for letting him fall to, to, to the Patriots shame on the rest of the league. I, I will say this. I don't ever believe he's going to be a top five, top seven, top eight guy, but he could be a 10 for the rest yeah. of his career. And you could win super bowls with a guy that wins the way that Mac does. So, um, and he's also a guy, by the way, Mark, that I don't believe everything needs to be perfect for. In yeah. fact, I would say right now, he uh, That receiving group leaves a lot to be desired. They're good, but they're not Stephon Diggs. They're not, you know, uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. This is a middle-of-the-line pass-catching unit. I can imagine on his rookie contract, knowing what they know, they bring in a Devontae Adams. They bring in an Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, I would say watch out because this guy is doing a lot of great, nuanced, next-level, doctorate-level things. Without, like, an A-plus supporting cast. And I think that has to scare a lot of people in the AFC.
1: Man, I'm totally getting the burner ready and dumping this on Bill's Reddit <laughs> once it's... Once... <laughs> i just kidding, uh, man. Nate, about to...
0: I'd like to quote Nate Geary as saying... Right, yeah. Brady-esque?
1: Yes, yes. Nate Geary... WGR's Nate Geary calls Mac Jones. Brady asks... Nate, I love your brother. Let me get you out of here on this. Yeah. Buffalo wins this game Monday night if what?
0: Um, if they're able to... Stop turning the football over. Uh, the bills have really been turning the football over. I think that's Josh's frustration without being, without having the ability to really stretch the ball down the field. Don't turn the football over, get to get off the field on third down defensively. That will be their route to victory. If the bills have two, three turnovers, they will not win. If they can't get off the field on third down and Mac Brown or Mac, uh, Mac Jones can extend these drives. It's going to be a long day for the bills defense. So for it's, I think it's pretty simple. Don't, don't turn the ball over, win the turnover battle, and get off the field on third down when you have the opportunity defensively.
1: Folks, here's Nate Gary. He's one of the best there is. Patriots fans, you can tell by now if you're not following him, you should be completely reasonable. Nuance takes. I love the guy like a brother. Nate, you're the best, buddy. Plug your stuff. Let everybody know where to find you. Yeah,
0: anytime, my friend. I'm always available for you. And you can find me at Nate Gary Sports on Twitter. Um, from time to time, I'll put up my written pieces up at WGR550.com, just opinion articles and and, and columns and uh every friday uh my cohort and i uh bruce bruce nolan the bruce exclusive podcast they also does for your your cohorts over there at sb nation we have our food for thought podcast uh as we like to say we combine two of your three favorite efforts: food football and fun get your mind out of the gutter so that is our that is our saying and uh we we have fun with it i actually uh I, you know, I, I wish that people could see, but I, I know you can see since we're on zoom, I've had this eggnog here oh on boy. my desk for three weeks. Um, so I'm running a, a social experiment to see if this bottle will explode. Um, I'm actually going to be putting it into a Ziploc bag. So in case you guys ever want to come see just a ridiculous, you know, we talk bills, we talk football in the NFL, but we also talk a lot of ridiculous food things. We'd love to have anybody that
1: uh, that might want to check it out. Definitely check that out, friends. But that will do it for today. I will be back uh, next week after this one to break it all down. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors, check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots' reigns. Not a Fox. Bro.